Good morning, Lakeview Church. Hey, you guys are getting pretty good at that. This is the last week in our By Faith series. We've been walking through this passage in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, and we've been kind of finding in there like a short caption or verse that speaks about an Old Testament character. And then we've been going back to the Old Testament and we've been exploring kind of what the story is underneath of that short caption. And so we've kind of walked through several of these characters and we've been doing that this uh, month because we wanted to really try to cultivate in our lives as a body of believers, faith. Because God is calling our church to be a church of radical hope. Radical hope that would take us right into the heart of our community where we would share the life-giving word of God with people who need to hear it. And we would trust God to make our city, our county, and even our world different and better. And in order to be those kind of people, we need to have faith. And so we've been walking through this series. In the very first week of this series, we talked about Noah. And we said Noah had a relational faith. Remember, he walked with God. He was able to hear and discern God's voice. And and as God spoke to him, he took God at his word and he did what God told him to do. He built an ark. We went from Noah and we talked about Abraham. We talked about Abraham two different weeks. The first week we talked about the call of God that came to him in Genesis chapter 12 where God said, Abraham, leave the land that's familiar to you, the land of your fathers, and go on a journey with me, destination unknown. And Abraham leaves the familiar and the comfortable because he has an obedient faith. And he goes on this journey with God. And then we looked at the second part of Abraham's story from Hebrews chapter 11, where God comes to him and says, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, the one that you love, and sacrifice him to me. And we talked about how Abraham gets up early the next morning, not because Isaac was a bad kid. It's okay to laugh. He didn't didn't go sacrifice his son because Isaac was a bad kid. No, this was a child that he loved deeply, the promised gift of God to his life. And he was devastated that God was asking him to give up his son. And yet, Abraham obeys God in this moment because he has a sacrificial faith. And we said, how could Abraham trust God in this moment? He could trust God in this moment because he was a friend of God. He wasn't obeying a God who had asked him to do something. He was obeying his best friend who asked him to do something. If you want to cultivate faith, learn to be a friend of God. And then last week, we talked about Joseph. And we said that Joseph was this wonderful leader. He dreamed big dreams for God. He lived a life of integrity. He was a responsible and faithful steward at every stage of his life. And he was an effective leader. He did everything that God asked him to do. But he wasn't in Hebrews 11 for any of those things. He was in Hebrews chapter 11 because at the very end of his life, he calls his people to his bedside and he says, guys, I'm getting ready to die. But just remember, God's got more for you in the future than he has done for you in the past. And he has this future orientation. I remember I said last week, I kind of picked on old people a little bit, and I told you Jim Hayes was going to send me an email. He sent me an email. I got it at 12.01. And the email said, didn't anybody ever teach you not to pick on old people? And then he said, but 80 does kind of sound a little old. 
He said, but just remember this. The future will be the present very soon. So get to work, Sonny. That's what his email said. Get to work, Sonny. So Jim, I'm sure you're watching along with a whole bunch of other people who are joining us online today. Thank you for your email and thank you for your encouragement to get to work. Because we got a lot of stuff to do to move into the future that God has for us. And I want to thank you personally, Jim, for your encouragement to me as a leader. You have come alongside me just since I've been here since May. And you've encouraged my heart in so many ways. And I want to just say thank you personally for doing that. So many of you have been an encouragement in these days as we're looking into the future and saying, God, what do you want to do through our church? And I'm excited. God is shaping a vision for the future. And God's going to do some great things in and through us, and we got to have a future-oriented faith that says, God, take us where you want us to go. We are all in with you. Well, today we're ending this series, and I want to talk to you today about Moses, and I want to talk to you about how to have a responsive faith, a responsive faith faith. In the book of Hebrews, the writer talks to us about the life of Moses and really kind of just tells us the short story of Moses in just a few verses that Pastor Jared read for you just a couple of moments ago. Right When Moses is born, uh, it's, it's right after the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, has given an edict that all sons that are born to Hebrew women shall be killed. Remember the Pharaoh that was in charge when Joseph was there who loved Joseph and loved Joseph's people? He's gone. And we've got a new Pharaoh now, a Pharaoh who has enslaved the people of God and is using the people of God to actually build Egypt. And he now wants to control their population because even in the oppression of slavery, God's people are continuing to experience God's favor. They're growing, they're multiplying, and the king says, enough already. And he decides he wants to start killing children, which is what he does. So when Moses is born to his mother, like all mothers, she looks at her son and says, this is a beautiful child. I'm not sure that all mothers are correct. But they all say that. This is a beautiful child. And so she takes her child and she hides him because she does not want him to be killed. She does this for about three months, the book of Exodus tells us. And then after about three months, she realizes this isn't going to work long term. So she makes a little basket and she puts her baby inside of the basket. And then she pushes the basket into the river. Imagine that. Just imagine being a mother and taking your only child that you're now going to send off, your only son, and you put him in this basket and you just push him out in the river. That's what she did. And then, in God's providence, the basket floats right in front of Pharaoh's daughter. Don't you just love the way God uses Pharaoh's household to raise up the person who's going to lead God's people out of Egypt. See, God doesn't always have to use just all of the righteous things of the world. Sometimes he uses things that are intended for evil, and somehow in God's sovereignty, he still makes it all work. I don't know how he does that. 
That's why he's got the job and not me. Because I don't know how he figures all that out, but he figures it out and he uses Pharaoh's daughter to rescue the eventual rescuer of God's people. And I love it. She takes the basket out of the water and there's a Hebrew word that literally means to draw out. And she says, what should we name this child? I've got it. Moses. That's the Hebrew word that literally means to draw out. But it can also mean to be one who draws out. Isn't it fascinating that Pharaoh's daughter gives Moses the name that includes his purpose? She doesn't know anything about God. She doesn't know anything about Moses' life purpose. And yet, in God's sovereignty, she draws Moses out of the water. And she says, I'm going to name him Moses because I drew him out of the water. And in choosing that name, she infuses into him life purpose. This is going to be one who will draw God's people out and lead them on in their journey. Moses grows up in Pharaoh's palace, which is quite fascinating, that Pharaoh tried to eliminate all of the male children born to Hebrew women, and yet he's got a Hebrew man growing up in his own household. That's where Moses grew up. And he's fine growing up there, except he has this angst, because he knows he's not an Egyptian. He knows that he is a Hebrew. And so eventually this angst is growing inside of him until one day it reaches ahead because he sees an Egyptian man actually striking a Hebrew man. And Moses has had enough. And so Moses goes and he kills the Egyptian. This is the breaking bad of the Old Testament. Moses has broken bad here. He kills the Egyptian, and then he's afraid that it will be discovered. So after hiding the body, he decides to flee because he thinks maybe people already know. And so he leaves and goes out into the wilderness into exile. And he's out now, away from the people of God, away from his life purpose. And there, he encounters God at a bush that's on fire, but, it's not, but, but is not being burnt up. It actually doesn't make any sense to Moses, so he turns aside to look at the bush, and when he's at the bush, God encounters Moses in that moment and says, Moses, I want you to go back. Go back to Egypt and lead my people. Lead them out of Egypt into the future that I have for them. Now let's be clear, Moses is reluctant to do what God's asking him to do. But eventually, Moses says yes. He goes back to Egypt, and you'll remember if you've uh, watched the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. You'll remember that there are these signs and wonders that God uses through Moses. We call them the Ten Plagues. Plagues intended to address the gods of the Egyptians, but plagues that are intended to let, uh, to guide Pharaoh to let God's people go. And eventually, after the 10th plague, the plague where God takes the firstborn child of every Egyptian home, Pharaoh finally says, enough already, get out of here. 
people of God leave Egypt, but pretty soon the Pharaoh, who's very fickle in his decision-making, changes his mind yet again. And he sends his army after the people of God. And the people of God, just as they're beginning their journey toward freedom, find themselves between a rock and a wet place. They are right between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea, and they don't know what to do next. And they actually need a miracle because Pharaoh's army is going to overtake them or they're going to drown in the Red Sea. And in that moment, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. He splits the Red Sea, makes a highway, dry ground, and the people of God walk through on it. And then Pharaoh's army chases them. But God is not as nice to Pharaoh's army as he was to his people. As soon as God's people are on the other side, God lets the waters return to their normal state. And the horse and the rider, the Old Testament says, were thrown into the sea. God's people now stand on the other side of the Red Sea with Egypt behind them and the promised land in front of them and they are finally free. And thus concludes the story of Moses' life as it's told in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, there are lots of things that we could talk about from Moses' story, but as I thought about our time together this morning, I kept coming back to what I believe is the critical moment in the journey that Moses takes with God. The turning point, if you will, on which the rest of Moses' story hinges. It's the, it's the moment in Exodus 3 and 4 where Moses encounters God at this burning bush. Because it's at this moment where God calls Moses into his life purpose. It's at this moment where God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, I have plans for you. I have things that I need you to do. And Moses, by doing these things, you're actually going to advance my cause. You're going you're to actually fulfill my purpose in the world. You're going to take my people and move them to the next phase of their journey with me. Moses, I need you to fulfill this calling that I'm placing upon your life because it's important for my purposes in the world. And that's why this is a critical moment in the story of Moses. While we've read the story, and I just told it to you so you know how it ends, you know Moses says yes, and he does what God's asking him to do. But what if Moses had said no? What if when Moses saw the bush that was on fire, what if he didn't turn aside to listen to God? What if he just kept going because it was a busy day tending the flocks? You see, we read these stories and we know how they end, so we assume that it was easy Or that it just made sense for Moses to listen. It just made sense for Moses to say yes. But as we're going to see in Exodus 3 and 4, it actually wasn't easy for Moses to say yes. And Moses actually tried to say no multiple times. And what if Moses had succeeded? Well, God's purposes would have still been fulfilled. But he would have had to find someone else. And we don't know how long that would have taken and we don't know how the story would play out and anything that we would fill in there would just be conjecture. But here's the bottom line. This is the critical moment in Moses' story because this is where God's call comes and Moses in that moment had to have a responsive faith. Now as I prayed about our time together today, 
over these last couple of months, thinking about this moment that we are spending together right now. I couldn't help but think that these next 10 or 15 minutes that we're going to spend together are going to be really important for some of you in this room today and some of you who are joining us online. Because while we're looking at the life of Moses, what God is going to talk to you about in the next 10 or 15 minutes is not the life of Moses. He's going to talk to you about your life. This may not be true for everybody who's here in this room or everybody who's joining us online, but there are some of you in this place and joining us online today that are going to hear the voice of God in the next 10 to 15 minutes if you'll just listen for it. And when God speaks, what he's looking for from you is a responsive faith that says yes. Moses had to turn aside and actually give attention to God to hear God's call for his life. And he did that and God called him. And eventually Moses said yes and it was the turning point of his story. In these next 10 or 15 minutes, some of you are going to hear the voice of God and God's going to speak to you, some of you, about your life purpose. He might ask you to engage in a task or a project, maybe one that he's already been talking to you about, but you've been kind of like Moses coming up with excuses. Or maybe you've just been ignoring it, thinking like it would go away, but it's still there and he's going to make it even more clear in the next little bit of time. Some of you might sense God prompting you in these next 10 or 15 minutes that there's a, a neighbor, a friend, a classmate, a coworker who needs you to be their pastor and walk with them into a relationship with Jesus Christ and help them become everything that God wants them to be. Some of you are in a career right now, and in the next 10 to 15 minutes, God might ask you to change careers. Some of you just entered or have been in the third third of life. That's a fancy way to say retired. And in the third third of life, you are not done with what God wants to accomplish in and through you. If you are not dead, God is not done working in and through your life. And in the next 10 to 15 minutes, God might say something about how he wants to use the third third of your life for his glory and his honor. Some of you in this room or joining us online right now in these next few minutes might hear God prompt you in your heart to be a pastor to be a church planter, to be a missionary. Listen, I don't know what God is going to ask of you in these next few minutes. But I believe to the bottom of my toes that God is going to speak to some people in this service today. So before we go even one second farther in this message I want to just pause and pray to ask God to speak clearly and to ask him to help our ears be wide open. So let's pray. God, we pause in this service. We turn aside. We look at what is for us, for some of us in this room and in this service today, the burning bush moment for us. 
We don't pretend to know or to dictate or to direct what you are going to say to us in the next 10 or 15 minutes. But God, we are simply asking that you would in fact speak clearly. Because we are turning aside for these moments to listen intently to your voice. And as we turn aside, God, and as you speak, would you open our ears, not just our physical ears, but would you open the ears of our hearts and our souls so that we would hear your voice clearly? Lord, we say what you told Samuel to say when you call. Speak, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. We give you these moments, God, and we ask you to speak. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what I want to do for these next few minutes here is just read the story of Moses from Exodus 3 and 4. So if you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you to just take that Bible out. And it's okay if it's on your phone or you've got your your device with you, just go ahead, get it out. Exodus 3 and 4. And I'm not going to read every verse, but I want to read some chunks of this text just to point out a few things that I think are really important for us to grasp as we're wrestling with hearing God's voice in these moments. So Exodus chapter 3, and I'm going to read the first six verses. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed, and Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now, at the risk of of being repetitive. This is a turn aside moment for us today. I cannot emphasize enough how much I have sensed as I have prayed for this moment that God wanted to speak to some of us in this congregation about what he wants to do with us next as individual people. And even though I've encouraged you and prayed with you that you would be wide open and attentive to what God is saying, I just want to beg you one more time to turn aside. I know that you're all excited to see Tom Brady win another Super Bowl. It goes without saying. But forget about everything that's not in this room right now and just turn aside and give attention to God's voice because God wants to speak if we will listen. Moses turned aside and when God saw that he turned aside, then he called to him. 
Some of us can't hear the voice of God because we don't turn aside enough. So turn aside for these next few moments and listen to the voice of God. Let's go down to verse 10. Come, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Once Moses turns aside, God now speaks to him. And he says, come, I want to send you back to Egypt. And you're going to go, you're going to speak to Pharaoh, and you're going to lead my people out of Egypt. And the very first thing that Moses does is he offers an excuse disguised as a question. Who am I? I think this is Moses questioning his identity. And it makes sense that he would do this. Am I a Hebrew or am I the son of Pharaoh's daughter? I'm a murderer. How do I get to go back now and lead the people of God? I ran away when I faced challenge and hardship. I hid. How can I go back now and lead those people? Moses was wrestling with his past identity. And here's the lesson that I think we learn from Moses in this story. Because when Moses says, who am I? God doesn't say, let me tell you who you are. God says, I will be with you. Here's the lesson. Don't think about your identity. Think about the identity of the one who called you. There are a lot of problems in our world right now that would be fixed if we would stop thinking just about our identity. And we would start thinking about the identity of the one who created us and the one who redeems us and the one who calls us. Our world is so consumed right now with slapping labels on people. We've got to define who we are and we've got to use certain hashtags and belong to certain groups and be a part of certain causes. And I see this not just in the world, but in the church. I just want to remind you, the most important identity in your life is the identity that you have from being a child of God. And you actually don't need to worry about all of the other identities the world wants to slap on you. Just walk in the fact that you are called of God, redeemed by Him, recreated by His grace and His power, and live in that identity. The world needs more people with that kind of identity. And so when Moses says, who am I? He's questioning his past. And God says, Moses, don't worry about that because I am going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. You would think at this point, Moses would say, ah, that's, that's enough. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. But not the case, not with Moses. He's got other questions and excuses. Drop down to chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. 
So he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. You see, Moses started by questioning his identity. Who am I? I've got this past. I've got faults and frailties. I've got past sins and mistakes that I've made. But now, after God says, don't worry about that, Moses, I'm going to be with you. Now Moses says, but they'll never believe me. This is a credibility issue. And Moses isn't wrong to raise this. Because it's actually 100% true. If you go to lead a group of people, but they do not place credibility in your leadership as a spiritual leader called of God to do what God is asking them to do, then they won't follow. This is a good excuse. Moses has a good excuse. They're never going to believe me. I grew up in the palace of their oppressor. They're never going to follow me. I'm a murderer. They're never going to follow me. I ran away and I've lived in exile. They're never going to follow me. And they will never believe that you have sent me. And God says, don't worry about that, Moses. I'm going to give signs and wonders to prove that I have sent you, to prove that it's my voice speaking through you. And they will follow you, Moses. Not because of your credibility, but because of mine. And I love how God gives Moses the first sign when no one else is around to watch. Because Moses needs confidence in the credibility of God. And God gives that to him. This is the second lesson that I think we all need to hear as we think about what God is calling us. Don't think about your credibility. Think about the credibility of the one who called you. Because if you're left to yourself and you go out there on your own, people won't follow you. But when they sense that God is at work in and through your life, there will be something about you that is attractive, magnetic. And you will and you can be influential, not because of who you are, but because of who God is in you and through you. Right? We as Christians are called to be crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. And the life that we now live by faith, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. It is not your credibility on the line. It is the credibility of our God working in and through us. Don't think about your credibility. Think about the credibility of the one who called you. You would think at this point Moses would say, all right, Lord, I'm in. Now that we've solved the identity question, now that we've solved the credibility question, count me in, God, I'm ready to go. That's not what he does. Look at verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. I might have been a beautiful baby, but I can't talk. I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth and who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. 
Again, this is Moses raising a good question. Hey, God, just a little side note here. If you want me to go speak for you, I can't actually do that. I'm not actually a good speaker. I don't have the capacity to do what you're asking me to do. And God, in arguing with Moses, says, you think that's an excuse? Who made your mouth? If you think you don't have what it takes, I made you. I can do with you whatever I choose to do. And again, you would think at this moment that Moses would say, okay, Lord, I get it. But he doesn't do that. He actually comes back again on this whole capacity question. And he says, God, I can't do this. Couldn't you just send someone else? Have you ever felt like that when you know God's asking you to do something? Maybe he's even asking you to do it right now. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, couldn't we just, God, couldn't you just have Lane Mackey do that? Why do I need to do it? Lane can do it. Right? Why do I need to do that? That's what Moses does. And now God has had enough. He's had enough. The text actually says that God became angry with Moses. Up to this point, it's just been a nice, pleasant conversation, a little back and forth between Moses and God. But now God is mad. And he says, okay, Moses, I was going to let you do this by yourself, and I was going to empower you to speak and say the words yourself. But since you don't have faith... I'm still going to call you to do this, but I'm going to tap Aaron on the shoulder and I'm going to have Aaron go with you and he'll be the spokesperson. Now, I want to believe that if Moses had said, okay, Lord, I'll do it, that Moses would have gone on his own and he would have been empowered and equipped by God and it would have been this amazing reality that God would have worked in and through Moses and everybody would have said, but that guy can't even talk and God used him. But Moses was reluctant to say yes. But God would not quit on Moses, so he gives him a partner. One more verse of scripture. Exodus chapter 14, verse 18. This is Moses now finally saying the reluctant yes to God. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he said to him, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Moses says a reluctant yes to God and says, okay, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. And he goes. We've dealt with the identity question. Stop thinking about your identity. Start thinking about the identity of the one who called you. We've thought about the credibility question. They won't believe me. Don't worry. I'm going to be with you. I'll give you signs and wonders. They'll listen to you. They will know that I have sent you. And we've dealt with this capacity question. Right? Stop thinking about your own capacity. Think about the capacity of the one who called you. He can do anything he wants to do because he made you. And he can empower you and do wonderful things in and through your life. And so finally, Moses says a reluctant yes. And this is the turning point of Moses' story. Because now Moses gets to leave the wilderness of exile. 
to go back into the community of his people and actually lead them into the next stage of God's purpose for that group of people. He says a reluctant yes, and God uses Moses to advance his purposes and accomplish something for the kingdom of God. Which brings me to maybe the most important question of the day. If God can advance his purposes in this world, if God can move his cause forward in this world with a reluctant yes, what could he do with a willing one? Moses is a wonderful leader in the Old Testament. Used by God in a mighty and powerful and strong way. But he didn't want to do it. He asked his questions. He made his excuses. He argued his case. And God brought him into the call that he had for him. Kicking and screaming. What could God do with your life if you went willingly? To say, God, whatever you have for me, I am willing to do it. Moses gave a reluctant yes, but God's looking for a willing yes from all of those who say that we are people of faith. So when you came in this morning, you should have gotten a card and a pen that looks something like this. If you did not get this, this is really, really important for the rest of the service. So you need to raise your hand so we can get you one. Our ushers are coming to serve you. So keep your hands up. And we're going to multitask. While they're handing these cards out, you're going to listen. Just keep your hand up. They will find you, I promise. Okay. Over the last 10 or 15 minutes here, God has spoken to some of you about something he wants you to do. Maybe it's a task or a project. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a step that you need to take in your life journey. Maybe it's a, a family member, a friend, a classmate, a coworker someone who lives on your street, that you realize today God is calling you to be their pastor, to actually shepherd them into the family of God, right where they live, right where they work, right where they go to school. And he's calling you to that. Maybe he's calling you to change careers. Or maybe he's guiding you into what he wants you to do through the third third of your life. Listen, I don't know what God might be speaking to you about today. Maybe he's asking you to become a pastor. Maybe he's asking you to be a church planner. Maybe he's calling you to the mission field to go and serve God in some other place, in some other location. Or maybe it's none of those things. Maybe it's something else that's specific for you. you've been listening to God, what I want you to do over these next couple of moments when you get this card is just take that pen and I just want you to write out what God is asking you to do and write out your response to that. It would be great if you just simply could record what it is that God is saying to you and then at the bottom, in all caps, you could just write the word Yes.
We're going to give you some time this morning to reflect a little bit, to think about what God has been speaking to you, to give you a chance to write it down, to give you a chance to write yes at the bottom of the card. And after you've had some time to write that on this card, what we're going to do is the band's going to lead us in a couple of songs. And as they're singing and you get your card done, all I want you to do is just come right down to the altar. Yes, I know it's COVID. I get it. But we can still move and we can do that respectfully of the people around us. And you can just place it right on the altar and leave it there. And at the end, Pastor Jared's going to come. He's going to pray for all of these commitments of faith that are being made. Some of you are at home right now and you're like, I don't have a card. Well, find a piece of paper and just write down your response. What is God asking you to do? And what's your response to that? And then make an altar right there in your home. Maybe it's the coffee table. Maybe it's the dresser in your bedroom. Maybe it's a post-it note that you put on the bathroom mirror. Wherever you want to make that altar, just place the card on the altar and say yes to God. Listen, God used Moses and he gave a reluctant yes. But if we as God's people in this day and this time would say a willing yes to God, what might God want to do through us? So I'm going to pray for us and then the band's going to lead us and whenever you feel like you've got your card done and you want to bring it to the altar, just bring it and lay it on the altar and just say yes to God. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this time that we could spend together in your word. God, we are asking you today as we already have to speak to us and God, whatever we have heard, help us now to have the courage and the faith to write it down and to respond with a willing yes. Please, God, may you be pleased with the offering that we lay at the altar today. Our willing yes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Write on your card and bring it to the altar when you're ready to do so. And let's worship the Lord through our commitment today.